0: Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules.
1: Today, Junior, America. Stake. Four best.
2: So stand by.
3: You are ranking Democrat in the Oversight Committee. Your chairman is asking the White House for any documents that President Biden played a role in his son Hunter's decision to defy a subpoena from the Republicans on your committee. They point to the White House press secretary saying that the president mm. was, quote, certainly familiar with what his son was going to say. Should the White House comply? Um, the, You know, the, the White House has been complying, unlike, of course, the Trump White House. The Biden White House has been complying all along. And <laughs> we have looked at, uh, for 11 months now, thousands and thousands of documents. We've had testimony from all kinds of people in the government, Treasury, IRS, you name it. So they should complain. They don't have anything on Joe Biden. So I, I assume they should continue to participate in the charade because the Biden administration is a law-abiding administration, unlike the Trump administration.
4: Oh, scissor me timbers. Wow. Even the fully there, I, wow. I fully endorse that. As we're jumping right back into the news on our second all-new edition of the Steak Breakfast podcast today, which is Tuesday Jamie Raskin did a little State of the Fake Union on CNN Sunday morning, and he was talking about a multitude of topics, which we're going to take a look at right now. The first one right there was talking about the transparency, apparently, that the Biden administration emits.
5: So transparent and brave. (laughs) and it's stunning and apparently the trump administration
4: was the worst administration historic in the history of the galaxy so we all know that that's a crock of shit so is he vagina yes he is and you know it's one of those things where we have to understand what's going on here we're going to have some big rulings yeah
5: but i don't understand what's going on here
4: well let me explain it to you a little bit we're going to have some big rulings coming out over the next few days from the u.s supreme court hopefully they're going to be ruling on everything from briefs that Jack Smith is filing in regards to Donald Trump's presidential immunity. We're going to hear cases from Colorado and Maine regarding Donald Trump's ability to remain on the ballot there, both in the primary and general election this year. Noah, and we're going to also hear on a couple things regarding Jack Smith himself and whether he was constitutionally legally appointed to be the special counsel by Merrick Garland, which now... How about no? Yeah, some people are, are are challenging the legitimacy of that. So let me just kind of break this down for everybody real quick and I'm going to make it as short as possible. This whole Donald Trump being removed from the ballot thing, in my opinion is one big, huge fucking virtue single. Everybody knows at the end of the day, this all starts and ends at the Supreme court. We all know not only based off the power of the bench, but probably I think we could see some nine-zero rulings on this that you can't take Donald Trump off the ballot for saying he's guilty of things he's never been charged with or
5: convicted of. You can't. I just don't understand how this math is checking out for anybody.
4: It's not, and here's why, Noah. I'll give you the exact reason why right now. This is not an attack against Donald Trump to remove him from the ballot. He's going to be on the ballot everywhere no matter what. This is an attack on the Supreme Court and its legitimacy. They want to be able to disenfranchise and make inept uh, Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, the three justices that Donald Trump appointed during his first term in office. And this is a big push legally to show people on the radical left that the Supreme Court is, number one, bias, number two, illegitimate, and number three, needs to get taken down or packed whichever way that Mark Elias and all the rest of the radical progressive legal experts on the Democrat side want to continue to attack this. But this is not an attack on Donald Trump's ability to remain on the ballot. I'm telling you all, he's going to remain on these ballots. This is a, that actually makes a lot of sense. This is the preamble for the attack on the Supreme court. Anybody telling you, otherwise you have to question their motives. And when you saw the messaging, they always project on the Democrat side. Remember that it's like a three-step program there. Deflect, project and reject. And, and that's all that they ever do. And, and this is a they're telling you what they're going to do before they do it. We're going to hear in this clip and the clip after that exactly what it is. Jamie Raskin is deciding to defend the notion that Donald Trump should be removed on these ballots. And he brings up a pretty bad group of people who should be able to run for president. Let's check it out
3: is for the Supreme Court to act but um, I think it's going to be uh, tough for some of them if they want to keep Trump on the ballot, if they're falling for the argument that this is undemocratic I mean, is it undemocratic that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jennifer Granholm can't run for president (laughs) because they weren't born in the country? If you think about it of all the forms of disqualification we have, the one that disqualifies people for engaging in insurrection is the most democratic
4: And again Donald Trump has never been charged or convicted of sedition or insurrection. So Jamie Raskin, number one, is lying. Number two, he's filling the heads of low-information news consumers just on exactly what the Democrats want the messaging to be. This statement and statements just like it will appear in Joe Biden commercials moving all throughout this election cycle or whoever else they decide to run. But but you have to understand this is an attack underlying right now on the supreme court he did get a little overt on it
5: well it's viral it's it's all these talking points are just going to be parroted on social media by all these mouth breathing mask wearing idiots Mm -hmm. it's it's insanity
4: you know at the same time we saw that um donald trump took to truth social this weekend and in regards to jamie raskin's rhetoric on meet the fake press He did want to tie in this whole aspect of the January 6th element that the Democrats are trying to make a millstone around Donald Trump's neck. He blows through that narrative and talks about the real there there. You ready for this, True Social Heater, Noah? Why did American disaster Liz Cheney, who suffers from TDS, in parentheses, Trump derangement syndrome, and was defeated for Congress by the largest margin for a sitting congressman or woman in the history of our country, all caps, illegally delete and destroy most of the evidence and its related items from the January 6th Committee of Political Thugs and Misfits. I can't believe they deleted all that shit. That's wild. Sticking in all caps, now, this act of extreme sabotage makes it impossible for my lawyers to properly prepare for, present, a proper defense of their client, me. All of the information on crazy (laughs) Nancy Pelosi turning down 10,000 soldiers that I offered to guard the Capitol building and beyond is now gone. The ridiculous, deranged Jack Smith case on immunity, that's what we just talked about. We're going to talk about that with Jesse Benal in just a bit, which is the most respected legal minds in this country have to say that I am fully entitled to is now completely compromised and should be thrown out and terminated, jumping back to all caps, just like the radical left lunatics did to all of the evidence and truth. And you know what? He makes a good case there because how is he supposed to defend himself and things that they said he apparently committed, which was sedition, insurrection, starting a riot, leading the
5: riot. I feel like he'd be in jail if that was true.
4: Imagine that. Weird. Well, that is part of the end game. but I think the big there there is the attack on the Supreme Court and continuing to delegitimize it as the the radical left knows if they're going to lose power, the the biggest thing that they can do is ramp up the attacks on, on something that Donald Trump more than likely would have at least two appointments to make, and that's for Justice Thomas and Justice Alito in his second term in office. But then, you know, Jamie Raskin went out on on State of the Fake Union and just kind of threw it out there and talked about the the compromised nature of Justice Thomas. So I want you guys to hear it for yourselves. Let's check it out.
3: Should any of the justices recuse themselves if they take this up? Well, um, finally, the Supreme Court has developed what they're describing as a code of ethics. It's not binding in the sense that they're not going to anyone else. They could have gone to, for example... Circuit court justices, you could have had state supreme court justices on a panel, but so they're they're deciding for themselves again whether they're in violation of their code of ethics. But I'm not think talking about any of the anybody cases. looking at this in any kind of dispassionate, reasonable way would say if your wife was involved in the big lie and claiming that Donald Trump had actually won the presidential election, had been agitating for oh. that, and participating <laughs> in the events leading up to January 6th, that you shouldn't be participating. So in, he should recuse himself. He should. Oh, he absolutely should recuse himself. The question is, what do we do if he doesn't recuse mm-hmm. himself?
4: And there it is. What does the radical left do if Justice Thomas doesn't recuse himself on some of these rulings that they're going to make as soon as tomorrow? Um, listen. Is the answer burn down things? That's The plan in the playbook for the Democrats has very few bullet points in it, but when it comes to the things that apparently are unreliable. reliable rioting,
5: burning things down. It's a short shopping list. Yeah. Black clothing, <laughs> backpack. Ski masks. Gasoline. MAGA hats. Maybe some road flares and fireworks. <laughs> True story. They got to get those nice pictures at night for the
4: uh, 4K videos that are being recorded out there on the streets of our cities here in the United States. But that's the angle that we're looking at it here on the show, and until that narrative changes, it seems like Jamie Raskin, who's one of the highest-ranking house Democrats right now, uh, you know, he, he sits as the ranking member on several committees as well, including oversight, is trying to lay out there for his not only congressional, but just counterparts in the Democrat Party, period, as messaging that they're going to be using against Donald Trump in the Supreme Court in this, the upcoming 2024 presidential election cycle. So it, it was pretty wild to hear. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be asking Trump attorney, the head of the Benall Law Group, Jesse Benal, about these items specifically in just a bit, guys. Wherever you're listening to the show today, doesn't matter what platform it's on. Hopefully, it's on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you're following and downloading the Steak for Breakfast podcast. That means you hit the plus button or the follow button, and that every episode is downloading to your electronic device. Helps out the show in so many ways. Massages the algorithms, gets us up there as a potential podcasts that you might want to listen to in the suggestions category as well for political podcast. Also helps us out in the Apple Top 100, which is a direct amplification of your voice via the show here. And uh, social medias as well. Twitter, get our true social and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts. Follow them. Hit the notification bell and never miss out on any great stuff we've got going on here on the show. We had a couple of nice blocks on social media this weekend. Tom Massey is a feather that I'm putting in my cap. <laughs> and, and we're going to continue to roll with that here on our second.
5: Roan sends me the, the screenshots as <laughs> they happen. It's amazing.
4: The second of two big Tuesday editions of the show here on Steak for Breakfast to get the new year started right. I saw former... Acting U.S. Attorney General Matt Whitaker was on Fox News this weekend. He was kind of dissecting the Trump removal from the ballot narratives from his vantage point. I thought it was some pretty good talking points to kind of discuss here on the show as we're getting ready to find out what the Supreme Court's going to do on it shortly here. Let's check it out.
1: Liberal activists, whether it's in Colorado or now in Maine, um, are are taking action with no intent of it actually sticking, knowing that the law is not on their side. But they're, I mean, to some extent, virtue signaling almost, you know, showing that they, you know, are liberals and they are against Donald Trump and therefore using their little fiefdom to try to prevent him from being president. But you know, these, the rule of law is the most important thing here. And obviously, to your point, uh, due process, right? Uh, for him to be on the ballot uh, you know would include that the fact that he's never been charged never been convicted never been otherwise even suggested of being charged uh, with this idea of insurrection and therefore the 14th amendment section 3 doesn't apply but you know it's it's a it's a sad day where a unelected secretary of state appointed by the state legislature in Maine you know ab- abuses her power uh, in order to demonstrate that she is somehow uh woe.
4: Pretty good points there by the former acting U.S.
5: Attorney General. What do you think, Noah? Do they really need to demonstrate that they're woke anymore? I feel like we know. Could we jump into fiefdom real quick? Yeah, let's just jump right to fiefdom. I'm going to need
4: a, uh, you know, we don't ever want to be a low-information show. Can One, we... two,
5: three, four, fief. <laughs> don't... So, do you got a definition on that you
4: can look up for us?
5: A fiefdom? hmm Fiefdom. It's a noun. Fiefdom. <laughs> An area over which someone exercises control as or in the manner of a feudal lord
4: <laughs> I, I love everybody that works in the trump team at Wicker so based
5: the seigneur could not sell his fiefdom without approval from the queen perfect example there
4: right you know the state gop in maine has begun a grassroots movement to impeach the unelected appointed secretary of state there Shannon Bellows, who made this decision unilaterally to remove Donald Trump from the ballot, citing things from that he was an insurrectionist all the way to he's currently the president and therefore shouldn't be allowed to run for a third term. She did put out a statement over the weekend refuting that, saying to impeach me for doing my job and following the law here in Maine is absurd. It's some of this inflammatory rhetoric it distracts the public from the issue at hand rather than focusing on the rule of law and the Constitution, which is exactly what they're doing. They are distracting from the issue at hand that Donald Trump is surging to walking to the Republican nomination in the party and is going to be the clear and present candidate who's, who's set to beat Joe Biden in just about every poll in the galaxy right now and, and, and focusing on things that aren't the law and the Constitution because they're making up these rulings or basing them solely off opinion.
5: I'm getting so concerned about what they're going to stoop to. It's going to be, I, I don't even know. Very busy, very
4: wild year ahead of us. We all need to be on our toes, head on a swivel as well. Yeah. It, it's going to be actually. That
5: actually is probably job number one. Matt, mm-hmm. yeah, don't leave home without it.
4: You know, and, and and as we're getting ready to jump in here with Jesse Banal, who's hopefully going to clear up a lot of stuff regarding some of these legal battles that Donald Trump is currently involved in. I do have one more clip here. Former Barack Obama top advisor and current Democrat strategist. David Axelrod warns you heard what I said, Noah, this guy worked for Obama Mm -hmm. and he is now a Democrat strategist. He's warning that if Donald Trump is prevented from running by removing him from ballots in the state, it would rip the country apart. Yeah, I agree. He actually suggests that if Donald Trump is not on the ballot and not allowed to run against Joe Biden, it's actually worse for the Republic than it would be if he was just removed from it. So Joe Biden could walk to reelection.
5: Yeah, I mean, if you do not give people the voice to vote for the person that they want to to vote for, we don't have a country. And people know that. And it doesn't matter what political side you're on, whether or not you're – my team is winning, so I'm okay with it. You know in the back of your head that this is fucked up and it's not good for the country. Okay. Because what happens when the shoe's on the other foot? And another political party's in in control and and they're like, Hey, guess what? Go fuck yourself.
4: Or if they roll out a candidate as weak as Joe Biden, let's
5: say. And they just Is there anybody as weak as Joe Biden?
4: Well, we're gonna find out in the next eleven months, but let's hear David Oxarod first saying pretty much what everybody's thinking.
6: All of this is
3: is uh, strengthening uh, him in the Republican primary. We've run this experiment. Uh, you know, he's only gained since he started getting indicted. Uh, you know, what you thought might be kryptonite for him has turned out to be battery packs, mm. and this is a big one uh, for him. Uh, presumably, the Supreme Court will deal with it uh, fairly quickly, and I expect that they will leave him on the ballot. And yes, uh, Brianna, I. Uh, I, I have very very strong reservations about all of this i do think it would rip the country apart if he were uh, actually prevented from running because tens of millions of people uh want to vote for him i think if you're going to beat donald trump you're going to probably have to do it at the polls
4: there's the there there mm. you know you had a new cnn contributor crying adam kinzinger right there as as david Oxerrod is saying This piece on a CNN show this weekend where they hosted a panel of three guests. He's just sitting there shaking his head no because (laughs) (laughs) he knows it's the truth. But at the end of the day, it's what the Democrats actually know needs to happen. Donald Trump needs to remain on these ballots. It doesn't matter how bad the attacks on the Supreme Court are ramping up right now. Uh, you know, they're probably going to vote in favor, at least for this election cycle, to keep Donald Trump on the ballot, if it affects the Supreme Court in any way, shape, or form moving forward. I guess that all determines on... On who wins the presidency, and it's going to be a big one. We say this is the biggest election in the history of our republic for a lot of different reasons. Getting Donald Trump back in the White House is task and purpose number
5: one. Well, it's mostly because it's true.
4: And that's the reason for it. You know, So many other things besides what's already broken, geopolitics, the U.S. southern border, the economy, crime, etc., continue to fall apart. The second
5: fall of the Roman Empire.
4: When you look at the way at federal law enforcement and the U.S. Department of Justice are in shambles, combine that with... Completely derailing the Supreme Court. We, Donald Trump says it all the time. We're not going to have a country left, folks. No, that's that's the thing. We're literally not. We're going to get some answers on some of the stuff we just talked on with constitutional attorney Jesse Benall right now. Before we do that, let's check in with one of our partners.
5: This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by Man Rubs. Rubs barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue related gear for you to make barbecue great again. It can be found at ManRubs.com and on Instagram, ManRubs. Use the code STAKE15 for 15% off your order.
4: All right. Joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Records podcast. He's the man who heads the Banal Law Group. I'm not spoiling it. He also does a lot of great work as a constitutional attorney for President Trump as well. Mr. Jesse Benall, welcome back to the show and Happy New Year.
7: Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Happy New Year to you.
4: Did you have a, a great holiday season with all of your friends and family?
7: Uh, I had a great time uh, over uh, over the holidays and managed to finally uh, escape the D.C. swamp and make it down to beautiful Florida for, for uh, a week or so. So, you know, hard to beat it.
4: And now we're right back to work, aren't we? Here we are.
7: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
4: <laughs> well, I, I sent something over to you yesterday, and it's, it's something that's gaining a little steam in the media. I just want to be able to kind of hash it out with you as far as the constitutional legality of it goes. I'm seeing that former Attorney General Edwin Meese uh, Stephen Calbrisi and Gary Lawson are challenging the appointment of Jack Smith as special counsel based off of the constitutional authority that the Attorney General of the United States currently, Merrick Garland, has. I, I don't really think there's too much there there, but I do see it gaining some steam on social media. So I wanted to ask you, who seems to be an expert in these things, Jesse, on just what you think when you read about this thing that's been filed.
7: So, I mean, this is actually a, a very strong argument that uh, Jack Smith's entire uh, appointment is uh, unlawful and unconstitutional. Um, it's, it's required that senior government officials that have uh, major government decision-making, uh, they, that they go through the confirmation process and that you can't find an in run around it. And when you have as much uh, authority as Jack Smith and his team have, have usurped in this case, Uh, both in the way that they've managed the grand jury process, the trial process, and now the appeal process going all the way to the Supreme court, you see that it's, it's something that hasn't gone through the normal department of justice uh, protocols where there are guardrails uh, against people going too far by people who have actually been appointed by the president of the United States and confirmed by the Senate, which is the system that our founders set up for us. And there is not a, you know, orange man, bad exception to that in the constitution. So, um, uh attorney General Mises' uh opinions and, and the other you know excellent, well-respected uh professors and, and scholars who have joined him in this have made a, I think, a very compelling argument. Um they they made it to the Supreme Court uh in arguing against the the uh Jack Smith's rather uh uh aggressive, we'll put it kindly, aggressive um petition that he filed asking the the uh, the Supreme Court allow him to leapfrog over the the uh, D.C. Circuit. Um, we don't know what effect that had on the on the Supreme Court's decision to de- deny cert. Um, the Supreme Court didn't tell us that. But now they've made that same argument to the D.C. circuit. Um, So we'll see how it all plays out. I I assume this uh, this argument is probably going to end up uh, back in front of the Supreme Court eventually.
4: Uh, They're going to be busy as of tomorrow. We're going to touch on that in a bit. But I do want to touch on one other thing first. So on Friday, Jack Smith uh, filed a brief disputing Donald Trump's claim to presidential immunity in the context of the 2020 election interference case in Washington, D.C. This is pretty big because Jack Smith is trying to say Donald Trump doesn't have presidential immunity, even though all presidents who came before him seem to have enjoyed just such. And, you know, this is going back on stemming from the claims that Donald Trump won the 2020 presidential election. It also goes into the brief that was filed up in Maine by the appointed secretary of state last week when she tried to remove him on the ballot, the The 15th page of the brief showed that if Donald Trump's going to claim he won the 2020 presidential election, he therefore can't be, you know, legally allowed to run for a third term. It's kind of like a sarcastic joke towards Donald Trump. But at the same time, if you're making legal context of it and trying to do something as big as keeping a presidential candidate off a ballot in a a state that's going to have a primary soon, it's a pretty big deal. Based off of what Jack Smith filed on Friday... Uh, trying to revoke or deem illegitimate his presidential immunity. How are you looking at this? And and what do you think the final disposition on this is going to be?
7: Well, I mean, I think that the final disposition on on this should be, you know, without getting into too much guesswork about what judges are going to do, uh, that that immunity does control this situation. You cannot have a situation where, well, let, let me put it this way. The founders gave us a very specific protocol in our, uh, separation of power system for how you deal um with a dispute between the branches uh between the executive uh branch and the legislative branch and the judicial uh branch and in the case of of president uh the way that you do that is through the impeachment process and the founders even specifically put in the constitution that If you take and you successfully impeach a president for some sort of misconduct while in office or bribery or treason, high crimes and misdemeanors, then after that, you can prosecute him. It specifically says that you can prosecute someone after they've been convicted in, in impeachment. It does not say, of course, that you can prosecute someone after they've been acquitted. In an impeachment. And that's exactly what occurred in this case, where there was an impeachment, there was an acquittal. Uh, Donald Trump was, was cleared. And uh, they, of course, didn't like the result that they got in that trial. So they want to, to go to another branch of government and say, OK, now we want to prosecute him criminally. And that's just not the way the Constitution works. So I have every confidence that the uh, that the, the correct legal um, decision is going to be made here, and that's you know that, that's even before you get into the the ridiculous facts of this case, where of course Donald Trump you know uh, said on January sixth that people should peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard, that's something very clear, you know at the heart of the First Amendment um, that uh, people should remain peaceful, support law enforcement, remember that we are the party of law and order. These are all things that Donald Trump said on January sixth that everyone likes to conveniently forget. In the mainstream media, uh, and of course, in the in the judicial system. So there, of course, there's no factual basis for it either. But legally, he should win on on all of these, both in these Jack Smith cases and the Fourteenth Amendment cases, um for any number of different reasons. They're all completely legally flawed,
4: no, and then when you look at the work that the Supreme Court has to do, it looks like they're going to be taking a look at a lot of stuff relating to Donald Trump over the course of when they reconvene could be as early as tomorrow on January third, Jesse. You know, we saw, uh, Democrat Congressman Jamie Raskin go out on the news this weekend and talked about the need for Donald Trump to be removed from some of these ballots as it uh, preserves the republic or or whatever he kind of said. He also said that some of the Supreme Court justices, including Justice Thomas, need to recuse himself from things related to Donald Trump because of, you know, what he claims to be a bias there, which I really don't see, uh, you know, publicly or probably privately as well. You know, when you talk about this stuff and then seeing that the Supreme Court is going to be finally making a ruling on some of these ballot-related issues as early as tomorrow, what kind of a forecast can you give our listenership on how they're probably going to look at this? And due to the fact that Donald Trump has never been charged or convicted of, you know, sedition or insurrection or anything like that, it seems like a pretty slam-dunk move for them to kind of get this out of the way and let the Democrats and people like Mark Elias figure out what they're going to, uh, you know, fraudulently, illegally do to try and stop Donald Trump from winning the election next November
7: yeah well yeah jamie raskin who thinks he's such a constitutional scholar his view uh apparently of the constitutional republic that our founders gave us is uh that it's up to the voters to decide as long as the voters decide from a list of candidates approved by the dc establishment now i don't have that in my uh, copy of the constitution <laughs> uh, but maybe jamie raskin has it in his version um, you know, maybe I, maybe I missed an amendment somewhere, but that just, uh, it's, it's completely ridiculous that these people portray themselves as heroes of democracy, and then they want to disenfranchise, uh, all Americans who support Donald Trump and want to vote for Donald Trump. Um, it's, it's completely insane. Uh, I, the, the Supreme court, uh, I think there's a, a very good chance that the Supreme court is going to take these cases. And then I know legally what should happen, what, sh- what legally should happen, um, is that the supreme court should say that um uh, you know first of all there has been no no due process in these cases uh to to remove somebody from the ballot um the the section three of the 14th amendment doesn't even apply to the presidency so why are we here the the people who wrote the uh, the founders of the 14th amendment could uh, knew there was a presidency they you now this was in the 1860s they were very aware that the presidency of the united states existed and they could have written that into the amendment they chose not to and so this doesn't even apply uh, to the presidency and then as we discussed that the facts aren't even warranted uh that's the decision that uh that really should be made and i have every confidence that that's uh, going to be what happens at the end of the day and uh as long as is the law is applied as long as we all uh, go out there and, and do our hard work. Uh, Donald Trump is going to be on the ballot in all 50 states and, and all Americans are going to have the opportunity uh, to go out and vote for him. And I think the the more that these left wing radicals uh, that want to disenfranchise the American people uh, tell people you can't vote for Donald Trump, uh, I don't think they know the American people very well because that's going to make people want to vote for Donald Trump all the more.
4: No, those are the absolute facts, Jesse. It's funny. Maybe Jamie Raskin has like the Marxist edition of the U.S. Constitution. Yeah,
7: yeah, exactly.
4: (laughs) Even so much as to say, I saw over the weekend, and these guys only put out, you know, posts like this on on X, formerly Twitter, at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Ibrahim X. Kendi, you know, the radical Marxist (laughs) who charges like $50,000 per speaking event. He put out on (laughs) his social media platform on X that, um, you know, if Donald Trump is able to become the president of the United States again, can the Confederacy essentially wins. I did have to fact check him there and remind him that the Trumps didn't immigrate to the United States from Europe 20 years after the Civil War ended. So I don't know how he's trying to tie that into the Confederacy. It's obviously for those low-information people that probably peruse his social medias, but it's it's silly just to think that this is the rhetoric that's going on out there. I think over the course of the next few days, we're going to have the Supreme Court put a lot of this stuff to bed. Hopefully they'll be making some headway into this, some of these special counsel work as well, and we could just get on with winning back the White House in November. Jesse, this has been awesome sitting down with you, as it always is when you come and share with us on the show today. We're obviously going to be live linking your website in the show description today, but for anyone that wants to follow you on social media, where can they check you out?
7: I'm on all social media platforms, it's at That's at J-B-I-N-N-A-L-L, Twitter, or I should say X, Facebook, Instagram, come join me there.
4: This guy is a constitutional attorney who's an absolute warrior, and we always love it when you can come and give us a little insight here on the show. Mr. Jesse Benal, thanks for joining us today,
7: and have a great rest of the week. Thanks so much for having me, guys.
8: Because he doesn't want to answer questions about his record. I think he would rather just. I mean, I get why he's doing it. I mean, he's got uh, cable news networks that basically 24/7 pump him up. Um, no, no, at all critical appraisal of anything that's been done, uh, from Fauci to the letting the BLM riots burn down cities uh, to um, uh, the spending that was totally out of control. So I don't think he wants to answer those questions. I think that's why he hasn't debated. Uh, so is she trying to defeat President, uh, former President Trump or is she trying to be his vice president? She will not rule that out. But, you know, she's gotten a lot of support from these never-Trumpers. They're viewing her as like the darling of never-Trump, yet she's positioning herself to, to potentially be in the running for that. I've categorically ruled out uh, uh, being VP. I think she should do that so her supporters know where she stands.
6: If Trump were to win, what's the number of percentage points that
8: you want to hit? <laughs> we're in it to win it. I mean, we have created... Uh, an unprecedented organization. We're
4: jumping into the news portion. Back end of our second all-new edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast today. That was a little bit of a montage to get things started. Disgraced Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's falling like a wounded bird, both in the polls
5: and almost when he walked on stage the other day. <laughs> Noah, some of these... Well, I've categorically denied being the Queen of England, mm-hmm. but that's just because I've. there's no chance that I could ever be... The Queen of England.
4: Some of these events that Ron DeSantis attended this weekend, I saw some egg, of some Egg of the, on a stick? No? He was endorsed by an egg <laughs> on a stick. And he hates his fucking life. <laughs> one was in somebody's house. There was, I think, five people in the picture. Another one was where him and his wife, Casey, walked into a bar in the middle... Sounds like the beginning of a joke. Yeah, of the college football playoffs. And when they walk into the bar and start... You know, walking through the crowd to try and commingle amongst the bar goers who were enjoying the college football playoffs. There wasn't a person in there who made eye contact with him as he walked through. It was so
5: embarrassing. Wow, that's awkward. Yeah, this is is bad. Maybe he was too tall with his lifts on. They just, you know, couldn't make eye contact.
4: We now sit 13 days away from when Ron DeSantis and the rest of team always back down begin their rebrand and start making excuses up when they lose by... 30 points plus in Iowa. And listen, they've got nobody to blame but themselves. the free state of Iowa. Well, that's apparently what it is now, because that's where him and his family have lived for the last 10 months. But, you know. So weird. Here's the thing. Everybody told him, Nobody wanted to listen. When you make the entire staff apparatus of your presidential campaign with cruise crewers, never Trumpers, failed administration officials, etc. I mean, listen. Kingsley Wilson, formerly Kingsley Cortez, said it the other day. You know, her dad jumped over to Team Never Back Down, and she said that
5: Thanksgiving and Christmas were a whole lot of let's eat turkey and watch football
4: and not talk about politics.
5: Mm, It's convenient. It's convenient when you don't get to talk about politics when the politics are your fault.
4: Yeah, it is, and it's going to be an absolutely enormous year for Donald Trump as he's getting ready to seize the Republican nomination Some people are speculating that he he could have it wrapped up with just two primaries, and that would be the Iowa caucus on January 15th, followed by the New Hampshire primary on January 23rd. We're saying that he's going to have it just about wrapped up by the time he gets a Super Tuesday on March 5th after he goes 5-0 in the first five primary states. But that's neither here nor there. There's still a lot of work to do. We have to be able to focus on the goals and things we want accomplished, and that starts and ends with Donald Trump winning the White House. We need to have people in the U.S. House of Representatives winning these races that are going to vote with America first legislation. that's going to make it easier to pass agenda 47 next year up on Capitol Hill. We brought you Abe Hamaday in our first show today. We're going to be sitting down with Pat Harrigan, who's running in North Carolina's 10th congressional district for the first time today as well. And you know, the Senate map deeply favors Republicans. And the only way we don't win power back in the Senate is if it's self induced Mitch McConnell, <laughs> and and we, we, we really have to be able to come together and make sure that, you know, we've got uh, a seat in West Virginia. Joe Manson's seat's going to flip to Senator Justice. You've got Kerry Lake running in Arizona. There's two seats right there. So, you, you know, you want to talk about some of these margin of errors and, and how many seats Democrats have to defend. We're going to have to take this all into account as we move forward here and continue to support these candidates who are going to help make agenda 47 more than likely to pass and, and be streamlined rather than it would not be if the Democrats win control of the house or if we figure out a way to F up the Senate, which at this point I don't think we're going to do the house of representatives needs to have a couple good stands here. They need to show Republican voters that they're serious, ready to get back to work in 2025 when Donald Trump wins back to the white house. And I think once they kind of gain their footing after the end of this break right here, I think it ends for the Senate on the 8th of January and the house of representatives on the 9th, We'll have everybody back up on Capitol Hill. We'll have to see where it goes from there. Tim Miller, former Republican strategist who took a job and a paycheck over at MSDNC, jumped on with Noah's favorite former White House pre- secretary, Big Red, Jen Psaki, on her new show, talking about Donald Trump indictments, insurrections, and all things otherwise. <laughs> Let's take it out.
2: I think the best counterargument is for the Biden campaign to so their efforts to kind of whip this up on the Trump side.
6: Yeah, look, there's always this "everything helps Trump" narrative sometimes in the punditocracy, which drives me crazy. I, yeah, I think in the short term, it clearly does help him in, in the primary, you know, because there's this kind of rally around the flat, rally around the orange man defense that happens among the Republican base. But I, the primary is already right. over in my in my estimation, so I don't I don't know if that matters that much. What about these swing groups that we've been talking about? How can, how can Democrats, you know, how can never Trumpers, how can we reach these voters and make the case to them that, okay, whatever you think about a ruling in some Colorado Supreme Court, do we really want a man to be president that's been indicted in four different jurisdictions that might be disqualified because he attempted an insurrection? I mean, we talk about January 6th. We talk about this stuff every day here. A lot of these swing voters are, haven't been thinking about January 6th that much since hmm. January 6th. So I think that re, that she hates trying that. to peel off some, perc- an additional percentage, a lot of these folks have already moved, but an additional percentage of the college educated swing vote, former Republican vote by talking about this issue is, is.
4: Oh, what do you think about that? Do you think a lot of independent or swing voters, ones who could vote for either party depending on the election and or the candidate that identifies with them the most, do you think that they're not thinking about January 6th anymore, even though the radical progressive left and the mainstream media, the print press have tried to ram it down everybody's throat? Remember, it's Groundhog Day on the Democrat side of the aisle. Every day when they wake up and smash that alarm button, it's January 6th, 2020.
5: I mean, it's just like if you look at their calendar, like on the refrigerator, it just says rehash January 6th Mm. on every day after that says tr- impeach Trump.
4: Well, that too. He did allude to say that he already feels like Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. So these attacks against him in the primary are kind of, you know, baseless or, or just aren't going to cause any damage, but th- that's one of the big things that we're going to have to do as a movement here uh, throughout the course of 2024. And that's going to be bringing people in. You've got swing voters, you've got strict independence, you have traditional Democrats, Democrat walkaways who, Identify as part of the middle class and either their jobs, their kids' education, their 401ks, their safety and security in their neighborhoods have all been destroyed because of Joe Biden's radical progressive policies. And we're going to have to bring these guys in to, you know combat what's going on with the messaging that's coming from the Biden regime. In addition to that, we've got minorities, you've got Hispanics, you've got blacks, you've got Asians moving over to the Make America Great Again movement in numbers like we've never seen before. I, again, don't think that Donald Trump is going to get 30% of the African-American vote. I'd gladly accept it. I think he's probably going to be more in the high teens ceiling, probably at low 20s. But on on election day of 2024, I think when all the votes are are legal votes are tallied. Donald Trump's going to win over more African-Americans than a Republican nominee has ever done before. So we're going to have to continue to check that out. The messaging from the Democrat party is going to be just as such. Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. He must be removed from ballots. The Supreme Court is illegitimate for trying to keep him on the ballots. You've got Jack Smith, who's the greatest prosecutor in the history of attorneys. And, And then you have that Donald Trump can't identify with those middle of the road swing voters. So let's keep in mind some of the things we need to uh, stay focused on as we head into the new year. Joe Rogan was talking about kind of the Biden regime the other day. I thought this was a really good part of his podcast. You know, the whole House of Cards narrative and and where the Democrat Party stands and how this is kind of imploding on them right now. They didn't think the economy was going to be that bad to where they have to go out 24-7 and try to lie to everybody saying it's great. They didn't think the U.S. southern border would have numbers. I don't even think the Democrats could have fantasized that the numbers would have been this bad to the point to where they're coming out every day and saying that there's nothing unusual going on down there. Joe Rogan.
5: You'd have to be on ayahuasca to believe that shit. How
4: dare you? (laughs) But Joe Rogan kind of knows and is looking at this. He is a swing voter. I don't think he's ever voted for Trump. Obviously, he's maga curious right now, as I always like to say, because it makes Noah laugh. (laughs) And he was talking about the, the Biden regime's house of cards, maybe coming down in 2024. Let's check it out.
2: To be a large group of people that were involved in this and there's none that are being exposed Which is quite fascinating because I guess if you did get exposed if someone said hey, you know Blah 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 head of this bank. We have evidence that you were having sex with underage girls that person could say okay What about Bill Clinton? What about this guy? What about that guy? He was there too and then the house of cards comes down so Bill Gates. Bill Gates.
7: Hard to imagine.
2: Not just Bill Gates, but Bill Gates after Jeffrey so Epstein had been arrested and convicted for statutory rape. Yikes. It's a wild story. Yeah. But just the fact that there's a place like that, there's an island that he owned. Like where is this guy getting this fucking money? I don't know. To ru- to own an island. And the island is for sale now for I think it's 100 million dollars or something like that. Like what Where'd you get that money? You know, and then the the CEO of uh, Victoria Secrets gives him a sixty million dollar mansion in Manhattan. Yep. Like what? And then you find out that these other CEOs have given him a hundred million, hundred fifty million, fifty million. Like what? What's co- what is this? Sounds Some like bizarre bribery. in in intelligence operation. Like what is this? Like what are they doing here?
3: You sound like a conspiracy
2: theorist. I do. Theorist. I am a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Some well look, some of them are real. I'm not a a outrageous or illogical conspiracy theorist for the most part. I believe you. But there's a lot of conspiring. The idea that conspiracies don't exist. Well, what about Enron? What about the what about the Iraq War? What about there's Mm, so many conspiracies that you can Mm. prove easily? Yeah. They've turned out to be true. And I love
4: when Joe Rogan talks about yellow cake. Guys, here's the lead-in for this here, because there's a lot of people still involved. Remember, Tony Podesta is a high-ranking energy official within the Biden administration. The Clintons, officially Hillary Clinton, have just been brought back in to be a national-level advisor for Joe Biden's re-election campaign this year. And all of the other ones who are going to be named over the course of the next few days, when I guess they release or unredact some of the John and Jane Does who appeared on the Epstein flight logs. I do want to remind everybody, we're going to see a lot of misinformation out on the internet about this, especially in regards to Donald Trump. Remember, it has been proven in court that Donald Trump was the only private citizen ever associated with that narrative who worked with investigators and prosecutors to get Jeffrey Epstein caught, essentially. In addition, I want to remind everybody because everybody's so onto this bullshit Releasing these flight logs brings accountability zero to any single person that appears on it. Bill Clinton could appear on it a billion times. It doesn't say that Bill Clinton flew to Jeffrey Epstein's islands to bang kids or do whatever other creepy shit was supposedly going on there. I just want everybody to understand that. These flight logs do nothing and they will bring zero accountability.
5: Except distraction from what's really going on in the, in the media.
4: Exactly, and that's what everybody's trying to do to Donald Trump right now. It's the constant attacks, the lawfare, the lies that they're making up against him. I mean, I even see it in these basement-dwelling, hot-pocket-eating, skin wearers only post this shit at like 3 o'clock in the morning on places like X and Instagram, etc. And it's Photoshop pictures. There's like a picture of Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein sitting on a couch, and there's like young girls all around. Jeffrey Epstein doesn't have any fucking legs, They photoshopped it so bad that they forgot to put his legs back, you know, and it's one of these things where (laughs) you you have to be able to understand if the stuff isn't already made public knowledge and and there's really any surprises on these flight logs, the people who have already been accused to a lot of, you know, really good private investigators have dug dirt up on then congratulations to them. They named a couple other people who we thought might have not been on there or we hadn't heard up until then that they're on there. But guess what? Legally, it doesn't do anything to them. Uh, In a court of law, it doesn't prove that they did anything when they were there. Might it open up the door to some civil lawsuits moving forward? Sure. And and, and listen, nobody wants accountability for these horrible crimes that supposedly were committed on that island there than we do here on Steak for Breakfast. But at the same time, let's just put it into perspective. There's going to be A lot of nothing burger and probably a little bit of eye-opening material, and then we need to move the fuck on because it's not going to change it. It could say Joe Biden flew on Epstein's plane every single week for like two years straight. It's not going to change one vote blue no matter who vote. And, And at the end of the day, that's the goal of the year. That's the thing we're trying to get this year kicked off right on. We'll keep it in the same thread of stuff that's going on that's pretty wild. Joe Rogan could see potentially the House of Cards along the Epstein narrative coming to a close back in uh, 2024. But we also have some breaking news today. Noah, one of your favorite college presidents, Claudine Gay. Mm. She is a plagiarist from Harvard who supported the fact that they were calling for genocide in, <laughs> for the Palestinian uh, protesters that they had on campus there in regards to their Jewish students. It's a little awkward. She resigned today in disgrace. And there are already calls for the next president of Harvard to be an equally as gay and black female to join Mr. Potato Head and Beetlejuice
5: on their all-star campus staff. Do they just share an office? (laughs) They sleep in, like, filing cabinets?
4: I want to do, pass out some flowers where flowers are due. Elise Stefanik, you were the one that led the charge on this lady when she came in for congressional oversight. You called her out in one of the biggest, probably, if not the biggest, gotcha on anti-Semitism in the entire 2023 news cycle, and your hardcore pressing of her up on Capitol Hill led to her eventual resignation. So congratulations to the House chairwoman there. Tucker Carlson was on Dan Bongino for, a, I don't know, Chicken Parmesan exclusive this week. Chicken parm? <laughs> and they were talking about some of the stuff that's been going on with Donald Trump and what could happen in this wild year of 2024. Tucker Carlson's in the narrative that Donald Trump might be assassinated throughout the course of this election cycle. We all hope not too late. I already said it. We we tend to stay away from this narrative on the show, but one of the other things I think, and and is new from Tucker Carlson is what he said might happen. If Donald Trump wins in November and there's that gray period between election day and January 20th, 2025, let's check it out.
3: This period between November and January and the swearing in, I'm not sure that's going to go well. I, and I'm, I'm trying to be understated here.
0: Uh, I, I don't yes. think
3: that's going to end well.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. I'm taking a deep breath because I have so many thoughts, most of which I, I'm not going to express because I have no I have no evidence other than my own intuition and what seems obvious. And I, I think we probably share exactly the same views on this. Look, they have set up Donald Trump as president as the one thing they, they can't tolerate. Now, that's anti-democratic right there. Democracy demands that people who didn't vote for a candidate submit to his rule if he wins democratically. That's a baseline requirement for democracy. All of us have been through it. Some guy you hate gets elected and you have to sit there and be like, okay, he's the president, he's my president, it's my country, and I'm going to sit there like a good little boy as he reigns. I disagree with him, Mm. but I'm not going to try and kill him because I believe in the system. they That's kind of the traditional Western view of democracy. They don't have a Western view of anything. They don't believe in democracy. So they're not bound by the normal rules that the rest of us are and have been for 250 years. So I just don't think they're going to tolerate it. I don't Mm. think they think like us. They're like, well, you know, he won. I guess we should let him govern. They didn't do that last time. And they definitely won't do it this time. And of course, the difference now is we know exactly who they are. We know exactly what they think. And we know to some extent the lengths they will go to get their will, and they don't have any boundaries at all. They use the US military against the American population. So, yeah. who would do that? Well, people who don't have limits would do that. So, what are their, what are their boundaries in this case? I, I literally don't think they have boundaries. And I think that we should be prepared, at least internally, psychologically, uh, for them to do anything.
4: So he even suggests that they might be willing to use the U.S. military to keep Joe Biden in power Mm. and stop Donald Trump. from.
5: Wait, isn't that what they said Donald Trump was going to do? Yes. Taking his duly elected
4: seat as the president of the United States in 2025. What do you think about that? No, that's pretty wild.
5: No. You
4: don't think it's going to happen? No tanks in D.C.? I don't know. You don't think Nancy will mobilize the 10,000 troops for that?
5: I mean, maybe
4: we got a lot of polls that are coming out this week, but we're going to wait till our Friday edition of the show to check in on them solely because we want to be able to get all of the data a little bit of a longer form from what we saw over the holiday break to bring you a more accurate perspective of where Donald Trump's sitting, which is very far ahead, ahead of the Iowa caucus. We're going to be jumping in with congressional candidate Pat Harrigan for the first time in just a second. I do want to remind everybody, wherever you're listening to the show today, make sure you're subscribed to Steak for Breakfast on every downloadable podcasting platform and follow us on social medias. Follow the show accounts on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and True Social. Hit the notification bell as well. We've got our last audio clip of the day here. I saw on This Week in Fake News on ABC, Donna Brazile was leading a panel of people talking about the potential of Trump 2024. You're going to like this one, Noah. let
3: Trump is far away winning nationally. He's got that huge lead in Iowa and New Hampshire, not quite as big as the national lead. But if he wins those two states, Rick,
0: Yeah. It's it's probably game set match and, and and quickly. I mean there's a there's a very compelling case that the Trump campaign will put forward now to say that he will be the de facto nominee by the middle of March, uh, and and on the current trajectory, that's that's even I mean, maybe if other by the end of
6: January. <laughs>
0: well, j- January if if other candidates drop out, but yeah. even if they don't, I'm yeah. saying even if these five candidates remain, there's still a very viable path for him to have it wrapped up uh, shortly after Super Tuesday, and that's kind of the wild thing. We have these very long campaigns. This could end quickly
4: every single other person on the panel was just sitting there shaking their head coping and seething no i know you love it we love it here on the show i think we kicked off the new year right with two brand new editions of the show we're going to continue on that path all the way through the rest of this election cycle we're going to be jumping in with congressional candidate pat harrigan right now who's looking to win a house seat in the great state of north carolina but before we do that one last check-in with one of our partners i think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code stake at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, MySlippers, and Giza Dream Everything. You're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash STAKE, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1 800 658 8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, this second of two editions of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, he's the candidate who's running. In North Carolina's 10th Congressional District, looking to make some big changes up on Capitol Hill next year. Joining us for the first time, Mr. Pat Harrigan. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year. Hey, guys. Happy
9: New Year to you, and thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it.
4: Well, the pleasure is all ours. Listen, congressional candidates are no strangers here on the State for Breakfast podcast. Over the course of the last five years, we've had multiple dozens of them, both running in the House, the Senate, governorships, etc., We would like to introduce you to our listenership as you're joining us for the first time today. Why don't you tell everybody before we get into some of the issues, what was the enticement to get in this race in North Carolina 10? And what are you looking to do to become the Republican nominee there and and take this job up to Capitol Hill in 2025?
9: You know, look, for me, my involvement in politics started with the fall of Afghanistan. I just I could not comprehend how we had such a criminally incompetent chief executive uh, lead us to an outcome of failure uh in that theater where so many people had striven uh, for a large part of their lives some had given their lives Uh, i I just couldn't understand how we could do that to the country how we could do that to the world and i I stepped back and i realized that we didn't just have a failed outcome in afghanistan we have failed outcomes all around us and if i want to have my two little girls Grow up to have as much opportunity as I've had in this life. That I need to get involved to secure that opportunity for them and for you know the rest of the children uh, of my friends, uh, my extended family, everybody in this country. And um, you know, look, I, I am going to go up to Washington to make change. I'm a former Green Beret. I'm a fighter. West Point grad, uh, you know, nuclear engineer, and, and business owner. My wife and I started our. Our business from a double wide trailer outside of fort bragg north carolina and we've now grown it into about 120,000 square foot manufacturing facility uh, with zero delta us optics unbranded ar a few other companies out there doing some really awesome things domestic manufacturing and look i just i want to tell people our story i want to harness uh what it took for us to go from where we were to where we are today and i want to make those opportunities available for everyone uh, without the government picking winners and losers, without the government playing sides on politics. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm set to do that.
4: Oh, it's good. You know, you, you talk about the, the amount of operators who have made it up to Capitol Hill over the course of the last couple of election cycles. One who comes to mind is a regular guest and great friend of the show, Corey Mills, who made it up in 2022. But we also have got a great Bunch of them running in this race. We had Abe Hamaday in our first show today, and Joe Kent, who's a regular guest on the show as well, is running for a congressional seat up in Washington as well. I think the more of that mindset we get up on Capitol Hill, we see things uh, right before we hit the Christmas break in in the House of Representatives, like the NDAA getting passed and some of the things that weren't decoupled from it to make it a better bill to fund the military, while at the same time allowing for like FISA surveillance and 702 to remain in it. It, it brings people who actually know what's going on, who have lived in the theater of war, who have fought and and. Actually served and sacrificed for their country in a lot of cases. It brings that mentality up to Capitol Hill. You know, another great guest on the show as well. I, I sometimes forget to mention, and we can't ever do it. We're going to be having him back in just a little over a week. Eli Crane as well. They, they've really brought a little bit more of accountability to some of this legislation that's getting passed, and I, I think that's a great aspect that you kind of, you know, centered the kickoff of your campaign to is one of the reasons why you want to bring that up to the hill next year.
9: Well, look, my wife and I have known Eli Crane and his wife for over 10 years now, long before any of us either got into politics. And uh, I'll tell you what, like, it's just we have a situation in this country right now where I think we're down to still under 15 percent of our Congress uh, is is a veteran. And that historically is not the way that this country has been run. That's not the type of experience that we've expected out of our congressional representatives. And we've you know, traditionally hovered in the 40, 50, 60, 65, the 70% uh, and, and you know, Eli and I are very passionate uh, about changing that. There's a lot of folks who are former special operators that are getting up there now and are, uh, look, throwing their weight around on behalf of their constituents to make a difference.
4: Yeah, it's wild, and and we we see it as a plus positive here on Steak for Breakfast, and that's why we, you know, once we were able to connect, really identified your campaign as one of the ones we need to get regularly cycled through the show and get some support for you up there. I do want to start talking about the issues now, though. Why don't you, you know, first of all, there's been a lot of uh, funny business going on in North Carolina over the last couple cycles, redistricting, this, that, and the other thing. Why don't you tell us what the district looks like and then jump into some of the biggest issues that are affecting your future constituents?
9: Yeah, look, our district, the 10th district in North Carolina is located kind of north of Charlotte. And so it's comprised of uh, Lincoln, Catawba, Iredell, Yadkin, and Forsyth counties. And it's uh, a great population base, kind of includes Mooresville down to the south, uh, up to the north, Winston-Salem, and and out to the west, Hickory, uh, a little bit of everything in between. Uh, It's where I have a home. We live, my wife and I live on Lake Hickory. Uh, our kids have gone to school in Hickory their entire lives. And it's just, it's a great part of the state of North Carolina. It's a great part of this country. Uh, features some great, great people. But look, everybody's concerned right now about where we are. We are, in, we're not a border state, but everybody right now is feeling like they're a border state, right? And so shutting down the southern border with Mexico is a top priority of my constituents in the 10th district. Additionally, we're paying way too much for things that we have always been able uh, to get for a reasonable amount of money. Folks are working way too hard for way too little, uh, and it's adding up. Those bills are stacking up, so the economy is is certainly uh, a top priority. And then something that I've kind of synthesized across the board from uh, our constituency is people want to restore integrity in government. And so, so, you know, we're, we're about to release a platform. It's really simple. Uh, these are, are just three things that I want to see done, that I know our constituents want to see done up in Washington, D.C., change. They want to protect this nation. They want to unleash our economy, and they want to restore governmental integrity. And I think that if we can make even marginal gains across each three of those lines of effort over the next two years in Congress, I think that this country is a much better place for our kids.
4: Oh, you make a great case there, and one thing that I want to rehash with you on right now, Pat, you talked about uh, being a small business owner, building it from the ground up, also the cost of everything right now. You know, we've heard it from so many different candidates throughout the course of our time here on Steak for Breakfast, but you're actually living through it right now. Talk about how much different it is from, let's just say, three years ago to now and and how hard it is to maintain that small business that you built from the ground up in this country where, you know, that is essentially a big component of the American dream. And, And based off the reckless policies and legislation of this current government in power right now, you guys are having a really difficult time probably being able to maintain that at normal levels.
9: Well, you know, what's interesting is the reckless policies of the Biden administration and just, it, 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 hey, it needs to be said, I know it's said on this podcast all the time, but Republicans and Democrats are guilty of throwing the economy into the situation that's been and it's, it makes it hard for people to make it, right? And and once you kind of get to a certain level, business just kind of grows and it operates. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take intentionality. It doesn't take really hard work. It just becomes easier, Right. When you're trying to move something from a standstill starting something up it is really difficult to build momentum but once you have it it's equally as hard to lose it as long as you don't take your eye off the ball and so with respect to where we are today uh you see that the folks that are kind of way up in the spectrum are doing really really well but the folks that aren't are really struggling and that erodes that middle class that has been the foundation of strength in this country uh, for the last you know 200 plus years building towards that right and and that's eroding that's a real problem to me we have got to fix that and the way that we fix that is with really simple policy that's all it is we, this all the ills that we have in our country right now are the result of bad policy that's it our structure how we operate in terms of capitalism, a democratic republic, like, look, we have the world's greatest conditions set for all of us to be successful, but we're throwing the game. And so, you know, look, I want to make sure that small business returns to be the driver and backbone of our economy. And I want to make sure that folks, Like me, you know, 10 years removed from when I started, have the same opportunities that I had, if not more, honestly, more because I'm in the firearms industry and we're systematically discriminated against by our financial sector. I think a lot of folks understand that at this point now, but, uh, you know, we've built our business despite headwinds that other industries uh, don't have to contend
4: with. No, oh, it's, it's the truth right there, and it's really good how you laid it out for our listenership. Pat, the last thing I want to touch with you on, it's really important. This is the first time you're on the show today. It won't be the last. We're going to be tracking your campaign, obviously, up and through your primary right now. Awesome. But, but we've conditioned our listenership to be able to assist in all of these campaigns even state level ones that are running for seats up in the u.s house of representatives that you don't have to live in north carolina to be able to help out you could still make phone calls you could get involved in email lists you could do whatever it takes to help you out including those small dollar donations which is essentially the grease that you know gets those campaigns rolling and up through the primary season so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about uh where they could find your website and where they could find you on social media
9: Yeah, thanks, guys. Hey, y'all can go to arrogantforcongress.com. That's H-A-R-R-I-G-A-N, kind of like the old Doodle dandy jingle. (laughs) And on that website, there's uh, a couple quick buttons. One of them is donate. And look, anything y'all can do, we would certainly appreciate it. It goes a long way down here. We spend it wisely. We are in two of the most expensive media markets in North Carolina, uh, being Charlotte and Winston-Salem. Uh, so anything y'all can do is greatly appreciated we'll spend it well and then there is also a volunteer tab and so if any of y'all want to volunteer again you do not need to live here we can still uh, and we will accept anybody who wants to volunteer uh, in, in a capacity that will best serve the campaign I would just truly appreciate everybody's well wishes their prayers and uh, any involvement that they'd like to have
4: There's a lot of people on the ground in North Carolina that have been pushing to get you on the show. We are so thankful to have been able to sit down with you today. We look forward to having you back on again. This is the man that's looking to run and make North Carolina's 10th congressional seat. Great again, Mr. Pat Harrigan. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. New year, new us. Noah, what do you think? New year, new us. Just kidding. It's the same old steak for breakfast you've come. The love and trust over the years and if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now almost 310 other editions of the show just make sure you're downloading us across every downloadable podcasting platform that's apple spotify google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. also check us out on social media twitter her true social and instagram find the steak for breakfast accounts follow them and hit the notification bell we want to thank all of our friends for coming down and sharing with us today newsmax contributor great friend of the show brian live Congressional candidate in the state of Arizona, Abe Hamaday. Trump attorney, Jesse Banal. And for the first time joining us, Congressional candidate in North Carolina, Pat Harrigan. You guys all helped make steak great again. Guys, we kicked off the new year right, but don't worry. On Friday we'll be back with two all-new editions of the podcast. And guess what? They're going to be absolute heaters. The infamous Roger Stone will be back and joining us. As will possible vt contender dr ben carson will be here as well former chief of staff to the dod cash mattel will be breaking down one of the biggest underlying narratives of the year and we'll be standing down with congressional candidate brendan gill for the first time so on behalf of the pod team i'm Roan noah later thanks for listening have a fantastic week and take care
3: I what how could you do that Daddy? it was my money
4: that's bad money i don't want you to have that money
3: dad i earned that
2: money i it said i money. want you to stay away from him
3: dad please listen to me i said you stay way.
2: away from him
5: dad listen to me
2: did you hear what i said you stay away from him
5: Sonny was right. The working man is a, he's a sucker, Dad. He's a sucker.
2: He's wrong. It don't take much strength to pull a trigger, but try and get up every morning, day after day, and work for a living. Let's see him try that. Then we'll see who's the real tough guy. The working man is the tough guy. Your father's the tough guy.
5: But everybody loves him, just like everybody loves you on the bus. It's the no. same thing.
2: No, it's not the same. People don't love him. They fear him. There's a difference.